Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Welcome back to the Propane Business Podcast. We are honoured today to be with Bodhi Kenyon of North Star Fitness. We met Bodhi actually because he was a client of ours. We were um, helping him build his, his business and um, move his his training online. And it's been such a pleasure working with him. And we've been so inspired by by him as a person that we thought, there's a lot of wisdom that needs to be shared with you. And uh, Bodhi's basically Mr. Portfolio Career. Um, I, I, was, I was actually, me and Johnny were actually laughing at how, like, I, I feel like we've, wait, we're, we're 30, 31, and we've, like, I feel like we've wasted our time given how much Bodhi has crammed into his life um, at the age of 50. He has been a competitive swimmer, a men's physique uh, competitor, surfer, um, musical performer, baseball player, uh, <laughs> actor, and business owner, and now currently, and and also speaks fluent Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a lot to dig into today. Bodhi, thank you for coming on. It's an honor, guys. Yeah, it's, it's always been a pleasure. Thank you. Does that just about cover it, or have we have we missed any of the <laughs> many sides of Bodhi there? Well, from the opposite side, I look at you guys and think, wow, you've really got your stuff together. I, when I think Johnny said, yeah, I'll be 30. This was sometime last year. My 30th birthday is coming up. And I thought, these guys are only in their, you know, late 20s and 30s. So the opposite side, man, lots of respect. You've been doing this 10 years or more, right? And that, that's amazing. Um, amazing. It, it's just a, it's an illusion that we create, Bodhi. So it's a, we're very good at <laughs> at creating an online illusion. And, uh, <laughs> th- thank you. Yeah, I think uh, it does feel weird to say we've been doing it for, for 10 years because it's it's like, I don't know, I can't really remember the first six of the 10. <laughs> it's just a, a blur of uh, frustration, I think. Yeah, um, and just, it was just panic and frustration running around, just <laughs> doing everything wrong. Ah, yeah, so um, <laughs> I suppose you, you live and learn. Um, so Bodhi... Can you tell us a bit about what's what's taken you through these layers and what's led you to the point that you're at now? Oh, um, in my 20s, so I, I started school quite late. My brother, my uh, half-brother uh, showed up when I was 18. Um, I'm from Michigan, from Detroit, Michigan. He just showed up one day and he was living in Japan. I didn't really know him. Um, and he felt something when we met. I, he looks just like my dad, same name. When, he, when I saw him, I just said Jim. And um, he was really taken by that. So he invited me to come live with him in Osaka. This is 1989. So I was 18, finished high school, jumped on a plane to Japan. Um, got to know him. And 
year and a half later, I went back home. A year later, he dies. Um, so it was a part of my life that I wouldn't have had that experience with. I mean, th this experience with my brother, this connection, um, and then him passing like that. And actually, when he passed, he told me it was in a it, it's it was in a dream. It was all metaphor, and he said. I'm done with this. I'm moving to Hawaii. Please visit me. I'm really sorry about the things I did. And that, I mean, I was, so I was 20 years old when that happened. And that changed everything. Um, so I had just, from that point, I was just about to move to San Diego, moved to San Diego and was going to go to school, but I couldn't process that death. It was, it took me a half a year even just to kind of deal with it. With no funeral, with here's his here's his ashes. He's dead. He's gone. Uh, I was just like, I didn't know how to deal with that. Wow, um, what a that, uh, <clears throat> that was a start. Yeah, I I had no idea, and that's if you hadn't, if you had been even slightly more conservative, and you weren't the kind of person to be like, oh yeah, sure, I'll just go to Japan for a year just off the cuff, you would have missed that window with your half brother sure. right that's insane and i i totally agree about the especially something like a brother you we're not wired to to lose someone of our own age um or you know a family member that's younger than us or, or um and so that alone but then to just be to, without having the closure i think uh is that there's something really <clears throat> fundamental and important about funerals i think that it allows us to have a, a moment just to process that someone's died. Otherwise, like it's almost as if they disappear out of our life, but we haven't had any kind of confirmation and the brain's just left still searching. So they're thinking, well, what's going on? Where are they? That was strange. I had uh, grandparents pass away and uncles, but that was, that was exactly what you said. It was not, it was just, it had happened. I got the message. Um, and then I got some ashes and it was like, that's it. And I was trying to process it for a while. So, um, and that's, that's what started the music all like the music stuff came from that. Um, when he died, I could hear music. I, I suddenly got song after song just started pouring in. So that's where the music sort of came from. And also was sort of the spiritual side came at the exact same time. So there was a, I had made a, a decision at a pool in San Diego um, that I was going to figure it out within this lifetime. This is all coming in for a reason. I, I couldn't, I didn't have words for it. I still probably don't, but it was like music and spirit were kind of from the same source. Um, and there were all sorts of strange kind of phenomena that were happening, like colors. I could see colors and it was kind of, it was really a strange time. And so, and so that, that led to, where was when did you move and start living in Japan? So I had moved to San Diego, right? Exactly that time it had happened. I got, within two weeks, I was driving to San Diego from Michigan, which is about 50 hours in a car. It's quite far. Um, and I just uprooted and moved to this San Diego, which is West Coast of the United States. Um, and I spent a lot of time I got a job and I would spend a lot of time sitting at a pool reading books on spirituality because I was trying to figure out what these 
these sort of colors coming in and the different things that were happening, I, I didn't know. I was looking for a way to understand them. So I spent about a year reading books on like ch chakras and meditation and, and all these things. Um, so that's 30 years ago now. Um, and that's why the meditation is big for me now, because that was part of the commitment I made at that time. The, was there anything from the reading that stuck? Because I, I find that <clears throat> because the spiritual world is very hard to verify, it's a bunch of claims and there's a few charlatans in that world as well that you, you can often read things and be like, I don't know how to even make sense of what's the right thing to follow and what's a waste of time. Right. It was all books then too. I mean, that was 1991. No internet. It was all books. I mean, I would go to a bookstore, I'd go to these bookstores and meet people and talk to people in, that were into astrology. It was very new age, this kind of, it was very, wasn't even meditation really. I didn't, there was nothing like, like we're talking about um, Gary, Gary Weber, these, these people, nothing like that it was more chakras and, you know, yeah. Sort of fashionable stuff. <laughs> fashionable, exactly, right? And it was California, so that, there were a lot of groups and gurus and people moving around there, so. So you've been, you've been meditating for, like, since that point? So you had these experiences, try to make sense of it? Yeah. In sort of whatever was available, and then that began this journey that's led to waking up at 4 a.m. and getting as much meditation as you can, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's because I realized that I made a decision. Uh, it was a certain day at the pool, and I decided I'm going to figure this out. And it's you can say it's enlightenment, you can say it's liberation, whatever it is. But it's like, okay, I just turned 50. 30 years ago, I made this commitment, and I've been kind of wishy-washy with it. I've been moving around, and um, it's time to put in the work and sort of the 10,000-hour thing. I thought if I put 10,000 hours in, that's three hours a day for how many <laughs> ten years or five hours a day for five years or um so that's such oh, a wow. good attitude the the flipping the switch of because gary weber who you mentioned talks about yeah. the the path from zero to enlightenment as being equivalent to the workload of doing a phd and i think yeah. that is such a great analogy because it's like ah, okay that does that he's been able to quantify like the the level of cognitive demand and workload and everything and there's a specific result. And he's like, well, the, the return on investment for doing that PhD equivalent is close to infinite. So, right. you know, when, when he says, like, put all your chips on the table, just just go in for it. And, and he did that exactly. Same as you waking up four in the morning before his family were awake and just bashing out three hours of meditation, yoga, breath work. It's pretty cool to see that, ah, okay, that's that's the attitude that's required to achieve a significant result in any domain. Truly. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I love that PhD idea because it's, it's doable. We can do it. Right. Mm. I don't have a PhD, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I imagine it's, it's a hard and it's a slog, but yeah, like yeah. people do it. And so it's, it's not a, it's not a 20 year job, is it? It's a, you know, potentially a, two or a three year job if you work hard at it right i think what i what i struggle about i don't know whether how long we want to spend talking about meditation we could probably do the entire multiple podcasts 
on, on just that. But the, the thing that I struggle with with that, because I've heard Gary talk about that, this volume of, of time. I think he also talks about this moment where you've, like, you've just got to reach this point where you, you know, I'm, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm sick of the suffering. I'm just going to surrender and let go and, and do these 10,000 hours. <clears throat> but you do a PhD with a registered organization. There is a qualification at the end of it. You know other people who have been through the same process and got a PhD. And we're all pretty sure that people who do a PhD get the PhD. But there's this, there's this kind of, well, what if I do the 10,000 hours and, I, and it, I never get there and can I ever get there and is it ever a, a destination that you arrive at? How do you, well, do, do you feel that way with it? And how do you sort of deal with that when you're, I guess more practically, you wake up at 4 a.m., it, it's pretty early, I imagine you're quite tired and you sit down and sort of pursue this, <laughs> pursue this thing. How do you move that to one side? Or, or do you have to? Uh, yeah, there's no guarantee, right? I, th- I think that that's for sure. But I, I realize the things that I've done in my life, uh, like really to put time into something, of course, being a personal trainer, being a coach, we put a lot of time into it, but I don't know how focused it is on one area. For example, uh, just watching the breath, for example, that's really basic, right? Um, and stuff, stuff comes out of it. Clarity, like, ah, wow, I, I didn't used to do that. Or I used to do that. I said, you know, whatever, certain things will disappear that were troubles before. Um, um, and things that I couldn't do before I can do that are very subtle. And I question it, but as I do it, I can see it unfolding. It's been six months. Um, so and I actually have a log. I, I created this Excel sheet with like the what's the end of the year? It's got to be over a thousand hours. Um, I'm just putting my feet to the fire. Um, I think that's that's got to be the way to do it, isn't it? You know, the, the, there's a there's a kind of attitude that people say, "Oh, you you can't have goals with meditation because it's it's somehow exempt." And whereas when we spoke to Daniel Ingram, who's um, a guy who's He's, yeah, like a, a self-described arhan, someone who's he's basically completed meditation. <clears throat> and he's very big on goals and very big on quantifying and your progress and having metrics for your progress. And he's like, well, it's it's just like anything else. Like you need to know if you're on the right track or not. And so the metric he uses is, because he's a Vipassana style meditation, is the number of sensations processed per second or per minute mm-hmm. and yeah. increasing that number. And, you know, so... Yeah, like I think as long as it seems like the goal thing, the reason people maybe are afraid of it is because of the attachment. But that's a kind of separate thing to are you tracking progress in the moment? Yeah. For me, it's time. Like, say, for example, one thing that I was easiest thing for me in life was swimming. When I when I took up swimming, I just took off natural talent i mean just natural talent i put in time time it was probably when i swam the most i think it was 24 hours a week that was like the amount of time that actually swimmers swim a lot it's it's like six hours six days a week four hours a day basically for a short time and then if you look at where i started and where i ended up so i thought okay maybe i'm not good at meditating maybe i don't have that amount of talent but just 
logging those, if, if I put in three hours every day for a long haul, it's going to be clear. I, the idea was one year, three hours a day for one year, thousand hours, was it worth it? And then decide where to go from there. That's brilliant. I absolutely yeah. love that. I think that's the, what the best thing about that is there is so much advice out there that is, that shies away from that single <laughs> truth, which is just it like do a, do a thousand hours and then see what you think. Right. Yeah. Like the, the do 10 minutes for 10 days and then, you know, you've changed your brain versus three hours a day for a year and then mm. was it worth it or not it's right. it like why is that i suppose it's the same in any industry isn't it where there's the sort of the the polished marketing message is very rarely the truth um but that i mean that's incredible uh, yeah and it, it's it, it's kind of similar to, to how you describe your, your own journey with it i feel like i've been sort of in and out with meditation i sort of go through moments where i'm phases where I'm very motivated by it and then less so and you know I've done a 300 400 hours or something like that across years and you're going to surpass that comfortably surpass that in a single year of, of just focus I'm 50 big lesson my time's shorter than yours <laughs> well, <laughs> if you keep going at three hours a day I'll never catch you <laughs> I think that explains part of the the business success that you've seen following <clears throat> for following the, the the program with us because it's all fine and well for us to say oh well the, it's all it's because our program's so amazing and but a program is a program and you have you know the results come from implementing it and actually following it so um it, it's only as good as the person who's doing it and no. because you have this like you said you're 50 you have a sense of urgency in doing things and when you do something, you do it properly. Like you don't, you don't dick about. So it sounds like that's, I mean, would, would, would you say that's been the, the driver of your business success that you've seen this year? Your, your module on goals. I spent over a week on that. <laughs> I remember you, said, I remember that. <laughs> you dive. I, I can see like each slide johnny said it took me 20 minutes to find this little piece on this so please appreciate this i thought that that was a big that was a huge help i mean i got so much like the logo everything like everyone's like wow this branding it's all from you guys um but i, I spent a lot of time on that and i kind of felt like i got behind later but i thought that was sort of the key piece to really get clear on the goals and where where it was heading and um, and as soon as I did that, we got some clients come in. So I think it was sort of a, just a, a mind shift, mental, mental shift. And it's been good. I, it's been so good. Like our business is, we had six, we have six clients come in in the past two weeks. It's, it's, and they're all in-person clients right now, but that's good too. I mean, that's fine for us. Um, but it's just, it's almost like we pushed a button and it said, let these, these people come in. I, don't, I have no idea why. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but That's I mean, great, we, man. We, we, I don't think we can, we, we can't take credit for that. It's just, you, you've you yeah. done the work, you you know, and following the goals process, for example, so thoroughly and doing all the necessary internal clear out to, to make way for that progress to come. It seems like you've, you've basically just like opened yourself up to that happening. Thank you, guys. It, it, is, is this... 
sort of a skill or, or like attribute, I guess, to sort of take a goal and just throw yourself into it? Is that something you've always done or is that something you've had to develop? Develop for sure. Like, uh, yeah. And like you said, like six years, you know, you guys were struggling for six years saying, uh, I started a business with no business. I mean, I was a Japanese major. My major in university was Japanese studies. Um, and I was working as a performer. I was a, I was a singer and a dancer, basically. Uh, and I thought, I'm done. This is, I'm done with this. Um, and I just opened up a gym. And it was kind of hell for three years. I mean, also, like, I mean, I didn't do my due diligence. I, I made all sorts of mistakes. And taxes, I mean, just a social, social security tax per month was like 800 US dollars. Was another was another rent, basically. So I understand that fully, but yeah, I, I make lots of mistakes and um, I try to have goals all the time. And I think my number one thing is to take care of people, just take care of people, really take care of people. Uh, and my wife works with me now. She wasn't there in the beginning, but she really takes care of our clients as well. So we have a, our, they stay. So that's that's another interesting one. And I think that the theme that I'm seeing emerging is the doing things properly and not shying away from the boring or the hard stuff. Because yeah. taking care of people, it sounds like a kind of glib thing to say, but oh, take care of your clients. But actually, like that is the retention strategy. Above all the <clears throat> stuff about like automated billing and whatever else, it, if if you really take care of your clients, like that they. They're gonna stay, and that's the, that, that's the the three hours of meditation a day equivalent of like delivering a good service, and mm. so yeah, that that's gonna generate far and above more referrals and um, clients that stay with you than than any kind of tactic. And so I think it's why the the attitude, the strategy, and the attitude stuff usually people find it boring, probably because unconsciously they know that it. it there's, there's quite a bit of work associated with doing that. The, um, I think the, the biggest struggle that we, well, I think probably every coach faces, especially, especially online when there's no, no touch points necessarily, is you know that you have this like, process or uh, system or, or way of doing things that, that distills a lot of um, past frustrations. Like, look, look, just trust me, I've gone through all of that, just do this. And people shy away from that because right. it's difficult and it, it involves the, the stuff we've just been speaking about, you know, the, the, literally the daily accepting this is, this is difficult. I'm not going to get an immediate reward. If, is there any advice you would give? So I guess like wind back the clock to a version of you that wasn't like that. Any advice you would give that person to, you know, this is how you maybe learn to be comfortable with that reality. And, and accept it for a long time. I think it's the, it's the long-term vision. It's like, it's like weightlifting or gymnastics. I mean, it, it, it takes, it's doing those. I think this is for meditation. It's, it's shifting where I would get frustrated. And, oh, I don't want to do the, these jobs. I'm not supposed to be doing these kind of jobs. Now it's more like I have a person to take care of. There's here's a new person that's come in and I'm onboarding this person and this person is Japanese, doesn't understand any English. 
So I've got to take all these documents from English and make them into Japanese. Um, I don't know if this is connected, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm totally, the, totally off. No, the, the, that was great. It's because, yeah, it's becoming very task focused rather than like um, the story that you're telling yourself. It's like, here is a client in front of me and this is my job right now. <laughs> right. And it's not, I guess one, one big, huge thing that's different is my concept of time. Um, I have time now. When I started doing my business, I've always felt that I didn't have any time. And I would verbalize this, like I don't have enough, there's not enough time to do this. And there's always enough time. And that's why there's enough time for meditation as well. Before there wasn't that amount of time, right? Um, and it's, it's there, there's enough time to sleep eight hours even if I make that decision. And um, when a new client comes in, it's not an issue of time, it gets done. And I stay with it until it's done. Um, What's changed there then? My attachment to me. <laughs> my attachment to what my needs, um, and I'm happier that the funny, and, and also money, I've kind of forgotten about money or my, how much I'm getting paid per hour. Or I'm, I do have some really selfish parts of myself that, that bitch about certain jobs that I've taken. So that's, I'm not clear of that at all. Um, and that was just choosing a job that I knew I shouldn't have taken and I took it anyway. And it's just a source of stress kind of, um, but yeah, time, like, and that, that, and I understand that, like, time equals money, and, you know, you have to, you have to work in, a, in a, an effective way, efficient way. But I feel with these six clients that, that have come in, all of them are doing the work. A lot of clients will come in and they kind of like, oh, I can't, I can't track my macros. Oh, that was really hard. I'm not, you know, Johnny's like, just, just follow follow the rules the rules are there just just follow and you'll get the results i know that sorry about the focus i don't know what's going on there the time um, thing really resonates yeah i um the last two years feels like i've been on a treadmill and someone's come along and just held their finger down on the the speed button and it's just gone faster and faster and i'm just like losing <laughs> balance with it yeah it's it's a real, I, I feel happier than I think I've ever felt. And, and it's because I think I'm doing a really good service and it's not. And the more I sort of let go of money and time, the more I sort of get, which is, yeah, that's, uh, and now we're making a lot of money. Like we're, we're six slots short of being full, completely full roster. And then it would be time to scale the business if it, we continue to do in-person business. So, Fantastic. and it's without being the cool guy, you know, I'm hired these people. It's just like, oh, this is what we need this time. Um, <laughs> That's great. Now, this is probably going to sound a little bit dramatic, but I genuinely believe that Johnny and Yusuf have been an absolute game changer for my business. Before I started with them, I was using mainly social media to promote my online coaching services. So I was always juggling around 20 to 30 clients, but it was never really that consistent. So when I purchased their propane business course, they taught me how to structure and automate my business in a way that not only allowed me to scale it, but allowed me to get some of my free time back as well. And for me, that was always one of my goals. I wanted to automate the business in a way that still allowed my clients to get an amazing service and amazing results, but allowed me to get some of my time back as well. 
So I'd really, really recommend them. So in in letting go of... So I think the, the, the key thing I took away from that was that the there is just an amount of work required to build a business or to achieve anything, to take care of clients, to get clients' results. There's just a direction to go in. And there's it, it, plenty of time in a, a month, a quarter, a year to achieve that. And the reason that... I mean, as you says, this resonates a lot. It's almost, it's almost like annoying even saying it, but like, you know, there's there's a there's a work to do, and basically the thing that prevents that from happening is that you consistently get in your own way, trip yourself up, and follow the narrative of like I shouldn't have to do that. This is you know, oh no no, I'm going to do it differently. There must be a quicker way. There must be a different way. Versus just the analogy of three hours of meditation a day for a year. In the in kind of any any pursuit, it's, so I think like you, you feel like that's or meditation is is helping you train that skill. I think so. There are a lot of shifts that that I'm noticing. Hard to put a finger on. Like this is mm. exactly could be an, a timing thing. Um, but I think we're all we all we all want to be happy, right? I mean, that's that's part of and the suffering thing. That's that's why I, that's why I'm meditating for sure. I don't want to suffer. I want to maybe help people that are suffering, maybe offer or, or just, you know, live a better life, be kinder. Um, but yeah, that's, I feel really quite good lately. And I'm just, just letting go of what I think it should be. There's the, the paradox of trying to like grasp water <clears throat> and the harder you try and grasp, the less you can get hold of it. And so, what you said there about letting go of needing time or money and they start to come to you in droves it's it's a weird concept to to get a head around intellectually but i think we've all experienced times where as soon as you kind of resign something as soon as you're like oh fuck it and then <laughs> then it starts happening um and so one of the aspects of that is people's belief that to, you can either be happy or you can be successful. And mm -hmm. to be successful has a requirement that you become a anxious, overly driven, type A kind of person, which is antithetical to being happy. Right. Whereas it seems like you've been able to reconcile both of those without, like, if someone said your achievements on, on paper they would, I think in their minds, you'd, you'd think like, oh, this is a pretty like um, highly strung kind of slightly psychopathic guy. But actually you're the opposite. You're relaxed and warm and open. But I'm not naturally. I'm not actually. I'm, I'm high strung. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> it doesn't look oh, like you. Yeah. Right. But, but, so you, you've been able to, you've been able to deal with that and you said you're the happiest you've ever been now. So what's, what's kind of taken you to to reconcile that some form of letting go i guess it's um there, there's something in me that's that's changed about money for sure and it, it's this fear of not having enough i've, I've had this my whole life it's, it's been running under the whole time and i've gone from having 100 grand cash in the bank to really in the red like in big trouble um and there's a difference in feeling when you have a nice chunk of cash sitting there. Um, 
I don't know what I don't know what it is. It's it's almost like things. I have a really great partner. My wife is just. I think she's Tinkerbell. I think she's like she's sprinkling stuff on me at nighttime. Maybe it's all of her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just things. I don't like even my apartment. I just really got rid of so many things. I need some clothes. I need you know one really good shirt that I like. One really cool pair of jeans. I don't need a lot of things. Um, when I was your age, 20s, 30s, I wanted to have the things, you know, I really wanted to have that sort of, I wanted to show people that I'm, I'm worthy and I kind of, I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's dropping some quite fundamental um, things with age, I suppose, well, things, some fundamental desires of right, wanting sure. approval and recognition and status and all that kind of stuff i think from a um just a, a purely business perspective what i think will be interesting for other people to hear is that you as you you know you become less concerned with material success less concerned with physical possessions less concerned with the financial metrics of, of the business and while that's happened the business has has grown which is uh, again, if you look at sort of the industry and the advice that a lot of people see, it's the thing that everybody talks about is the the money, the, the top line revenue with no context, no mention of the margin or the cash in the bank or how, you know, the, the results your clients are getting. And so I think everybody is naturally, I suppose all business owners, but especially in this industry are naturally wired to have this money is the thing that, that matters. And if you have a lot of money, then you can buy things and that means you've succeeded. But as Yusuf says, it's all in this kind of very neurotic, bright flashing lights, stress, stress, stress. So it's really interesting to hear the the, the, the letting go of that attachment allowed it to grow anyway. Because I think that's the, again, circling back to meditation, one of the things that I've always struggled with is, well, if you lose the attachment to something, if you no longer feel like, well, I need to be pushing this boulder up the hill all the time, then who's going to push the boulder up the hill? Maybe it'll never get there. But you right. know, it's the the idea that it gets there anyway, or can get there anyway, if you reduce your attachment to it and almost get out of the way of the of the of the progression. Yeah, yeah. I think also as as partners, like you, you two are partners, and that's there's something in partnership that's really powerful. Um, you support each other, you build each other up, right? Um, I feel the same. My wife is very the opposite with money. Like as a kid, I would always, always, always order something on the cheaper side of the of the, of the menu. For example, she'll always order the, the most expensive sushi. For example, I'll be kind of middle line, or uh, so she helps me actually. She's more free that way, so I think that actually balances me out a lot. It's yeah, I think that's so valuable. I mean, I'm, I I I always feel very honored to be working with Johnny because he he is. I think the smart, like one of the smartest people I know and to be working with someone who highlights your blind spots and vice versa and has the, just the, the, the mental horsepower to be able to kind of, um, pick up on that and, and, and drive a, drive a business forward with that. It helps you both grow in, in ways that you wouldn't, wouldn't expect. So, um, yeah, rather than trying to figure things out on your own and, 
we're so good at spotting errors in other people's businesses or other people's behaviors or whatever, but not, not in our own. And so it, it needs some kind of feedback loop to, to do that. Otherwise you could end up doing something like even little things like um, if you're, we, cause we work with a lot of people, for example, who've never done video before right. and then they do a video face to camera and they realize they've got some kind of vocal tick or their, um, some, behavior that they had no idea of until they see it on video and they're like oh my god i've been doing this for 20 years you know so, um, so i think yeah closing that feedback loop and working with someone so important whether that's a partner whether that's a coach it, yeah I, I think it gives you the um you know i always forget the where it's from the the famous example of of i think like five blind people approaching an elephant and feeling different parts of an elephant and like one person thinks it's a fan the other person thinks it's a a rod because they've got the tusk and if you don't have the context of the entire thing so if you don't have somebody else looking at the same system or looking at the same thing that you're working in it's so easy to just be in this little siloed area of things working away when actually there's this huge opportunity over there that you would never have noticed that you didn't have somebody objective so yeah we get we get asked a lot sort of what, what's it like to work as a as a partnership and I, I guess we're fortunate that we just get on incredibly well and complement each other's skill sets and things like that because I think a lot of partnerships business partnerships and marriages and relationships fail anyway don't they so um, I, I, I completely agree that I think having someone as a, as a support structure incredibly important um, or I guess getting some sort of even just asking a friend or, or someone else their opinion rather than just being in your own head with things all the time because you, you definitely miss things like weaknesses or skills you don't have or opportunities you wouldn't see, weaknesses you wouldn't see. Right. On the note of intensity and high stress, you mentioned recently that you've given up coffee. <laughs> Can you talk to us about that? <laughs> I'm back on it, actually. Oh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like it. Johnny's celebrating here. Yeah, thank God. Uh, I, I thought this was going to go down the route of me having to give up coffee again. One of these no, don't. interventions. Actually, I I realized that's one thing. Like, um, I'm kind of cu I'm cutting again. I I realized that I I don't want to have I my waist was like 88 centimeters, and I thought, what am I doing? Like, I'm trying to get big, and that's yeah. I just thought, okay, I'm done with I'm done with that. Um, so I'm going to get down to like 10% body fat. So I've been dieting and my diet's pretty strict. Um, so that coffee time is actually time with my wife. That's a really, that's one time that we spend where we connect. It's just a really nice two or three, well, probably twice a day, but I just thought I'm not, I'm, I'm taking that back in. Cause that's just a really nice, it tastes good. It's fun. Yeah. Have you tried decaf? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the same, like, You know, that's, it's seven weeks. Seven weeks I went without coffee. There was something missing. It was hard. <laughs> yeah, I feel um, the same way. I, I, I think it, like, I definitely see the, the benefits, and as I'm sure you did, like, I think sleep patterns improved and energy is certainly more stable. There's fewer highs and lows and things like that. However, like a, a morning of work after having a, a coffee or two is hard to replicate for me without coffee. So 
I don't know. Maybe that's just the the addiction talking, and you know, and it's uh, <laughs> that's the self. Just angry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Yusuf. I, uh, I let you down. I, I'm too sensitive to it now. So I I, I was working in A and E, or you, you guys call it ED, um, yesterday, and the team. Someone bought me a latte. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's laughing because he knows that I that that triggers my dilemma torn between the like politeness of, oh I have to drink it now because someone's got me one and oh, I don't want to drink the coffee so you just like oh thank you and so I'm start drinking this latte knowing that it's going to send me to the roof um, <laughs> and then you know I end up like clocking the next 10 patients within <laughs> within the next couple of hours just like bashing them through well not not really but like yeah it's i think my sensitivity to it is so um high now that even a bit of caffeine is kind of rocket fuel for me at this stage do you think you do you think you create that sensitivity to it by not having it yeah because i'm sure you give you give me and Bodhi a latte it's just no problem it doesn't touch the sides you know, it's just yeah. standard standard day but do you do you, do you you create you create this kind of hyper hypersensitivity to it by avoiding it for a long period of time. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I should probably learn to to just eat everything in moderation because the same with people who go gluten free, isn't it? You know, they go completely strict gluten free, and then they have a slice of bread and they're horizontal for the next hour. <laughs> yeah. You, so you you moved away from coffee for seven weeks, Bodie. Back on it now. Have you got? Do you have any like rules in place for yourself so you don't? Do you have like a certain number per day or a cutoff during the day or anything like that? I've been using cacao lately, um, cocoa cocoa powder. I, I mm-hmm. think it's called cocoa. Um, but that for fiber, I've been for magnesium and fiber. That's a really nice post workout drink. With milk and like 15, 15 grams of cacao, it's it's a different kind of a feeling. The caffeine's much lower. Um, usually two cups. That's usually all I need. Um, I need. You hear that? I didn't say that. That's what I enjoy. <laughs> oh, it's, see, it's, it's creeping yeah. out now. The addiction. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's. I, I stopped it. I did a Shenzhen Young retreat, and I was trying to stay awake. It was a American time, and I was in Japan, so I was trying to go all night long, and I just couldn't hang in. So I would hit the coffee, and it. So in my stomach in a different time zone as well yeah so that that was really i burned myself out on the first one completely wiped out um and i was using coffee and i i couldn't even i couldn't drink coffee my stomach was in a knot and then i tried green tea and it was still in a knot so i just gave it up at that time that so that was a, a virtual retreat rather virtual than a physical retreat. one yeah yeah so you just we just at home but doing, I guess, is it like on a, a Zoom call or something like that? Zoom or? call, yeah, Zoom call. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I think that's harder in, in every way. Yeah, like right. Having your laptop open, even the option, because you could just, just, oh, just quit it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. People are there. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, in the beginning, I was a bit shy, but people are faces right up to the <laughs> camera. Some people are like, doing you know, it's a challenge oh <laughs> wow the, the idea of a retreat 
it, it well, scares, it scares yeah. me so much the idea of a of a retreat just that that oh. many hours to to do it at home. I just oh. don't think I could do that. But that's how was it up up until the point of you say you had to you had to stop just because of obviously the the time zone limitation. I did. I, I tried to hang in there as long as possible, uh, but there were some points I just because I was working with clients during the day, so the retreat would end, and then I'd be with clients, and I thought I can't do that. I, you know, I gotta. I got to get sleep somewhere. So, um, what a strange week that must have been. <laughs> uh, twice. I did it twice. Um, second time I actually slept, <laughs> I found spots to sleep, but, um, good. Interesting. Like, uh, yeah. And, and like doing it in a group, even, even virtually like right now we're connected. You're in the UK. I'm in Tokyo. There's a connection, right? I can, I'm, I'm with you guys. It, it, it's it's different like you're doing meditation i get this little kind of i get this pressure in here this is what happened when i when my brother passed passed away um there was like a, it's almost like like this kind of beeper going off in, in your head here and it gets really intense almost like it's breaking open and the minute shinzen shinzen gets in there and he's like and they start the bell it's like wow next three hours that was just was was going off and for the next for the whole week the 10 days whatever it was that was going pretty much the whole time so just a little a little sign that's like okay there's something different about this than just meditating on my on my own wow yeah i i mean i did one a couple of years back and the the social accountability and as you said, the, the presence of just everyone in there doing the same thing makes a right. huge difference. But I just can't imagine doing it in a different time zone. Like it was hard enough, you know, at four in the morning yeah. when you hear the, the the guy with the gong outside and you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, was it was it the was it the that the noting practice that so is is like is that different to a vipassana retreat or? What was what did yeah. you do for the the time you were meditating? So Shinzen's approach is you can do whatever you want. That's uh, it's, he's very he's a very cool guy. I mean he's he's like he's almost eighty years old. Lived in Japan. He, I mean he, he was a monk in Japan. So we're kind of he's like my older brother in a way. Lived in the same city Kyoto, um, but it is noting his his style is is noting. Um, but it's a lot of intellectuals in there. I really felt sort of out of my. Yeah. out of my leagues, the Harvards and, you know, what they're talking about. It's very intellectual approach. Um, so I'm kind of more, I don't know if you know Chuladasa. I, that, that seems to be, I've gone, Daniel Ingram, I was kind of following his way. A lot of, a lot of upset and sort of darkness comes up fast. And it's, I mean, there were some times where I just would lose it, completely lose it have a dinner party and just how, how can I even go? Like that, that sort of anxiety. And, yeah. His um, map is quite, well, it's quite rough. Yeah. I, it, it's not, I like Chula Dasa's approach because it's sort of a, I think you get balanced and then you start to go into in, in insight after certain levels. And it's very clear. It's got clear parts of the journey and it's, it's, it's breathing. And then it's really simple. Um, so we all have, you know, we all have a different approach that works, but. There's, 
there's a, something I remember. It kind of reminds us of what we were talking about just before from the retreat where you get a kind of for people listening, you get a five minutes every day to speak with the teacher at the front of the front of the room and talk about the problems that you're having. And this guy who was sat behind me was really struggling with the, with the method. And you could tell he was like pacing up and down and like just really unsettled. And he kept coming to the front and just having this like story that he would tell the teacher about. And it was like, oh, well, when I'm doing this, like this happens, I'm struggling with this. And, I, and do I think about this as an in-breath and then this is an out-breath? Or do I just say, is it one breath? And do I focus here? And, and, and the guy, the teacher just kept being like, focus on the tips of the nostrils, <laughs> on the inhale and on the exhale. And that was just like... Any time you would come to him with a problem, the answer was just, look, mate, just do the method. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great life advice, that isn't it? Brilliant life. Well, it's back, it circles right back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Right. Right. <laughs> this works through it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And what, what, what a lesson to, to learn from you. And it, it's something I always find so brilliant about being able to work with people online is that by putting out content you attract people that think in a similar way and you learn things from them and we're always <clears throat> continually inspired by the clients that we work with because everyone's got a kind of a domain of expertise that is just uh, yeah it, it goes deep so i really appreciate um having the opportunity um just to, to wrap things up, a couple of things that I wanted to ask you was um, you mentioned that you're you kind of over getting big now. You were like, I just want to, you know, it, how has your training changed into your 50s? It's interesting. It's interesting because I'm starting to push again a bit. And I just, I'm also thank you guys for Menno Henselman's. I, I met you guys through an interview with Menno. Uh, Menno's great. Where, love love to wear plastic gloves i loved you guys from that life thought oh god like would you choose a lightsaber or like that's that started i'm like who are these guys like that, that's how i that was that interview with menno um i joined his course i i'm st still learning from him that that is deep and what i like about him as he approaches it um focusing on health and things that i completely missed before like fiber intake and micronutrients. I mean, really important things that make a huge difference. And as you get older, that, that makes, that means a lot. And you can, maybe that's why I'm having these great experiences. I just have balanced minerals, uh, or, or omega threes. I don't know. Maybe that's all that's happened. Um, fifties. Yeah. I, my numbers are going up. I'm getting stronger, but I realize like my body is very, I mean, I'm a, I'm a swimmer. I've got long, like really short, short tendons, my arms are not going to get much bigger. Um, and it's not worth, it shouldn't be why I'm doing it. And guys, I mean, it's something that guys, most guys that come to me, they want to lose fat and get bigger. Uh, even Japanese guys and Japanese guys, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not, there's more, would you say, like the, the famous actors in Japan are more feminine. It's very, I mean, there's a lot of makeup. There's a lot of, lot of this in, in the mirror. Um, it's not such a big deal here, but 
there's an interesting uh we, we did a podcast with Emmett Lewis who if you if you haven't heard of him he's he's uh he's definitely worth checking out we okay. um I'll send you the link for the the episode with him but he, he talks about this like the not only the cultural geographical differences in like ideal body image and um the measurements that people find attractive but how it changes over time and the the best example of this and I, I really implore you to 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 check this out if you're listening <clears throat> The, what's the what's the song that's like I like big butts and I cannot lie. Uh, <laughs> was it? Sir Mix a Lot. Sir Mix a Lot. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you have a look at the original video, Sir Mix a Lot, and that, um, what Emmett pointed out is like, look at the the bums in that video, and actually, like at the time, it was like, oh man, that's 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 really big. Like, oh, that's that's almost a bit too big. <laughs> now you look back and you they all just look really skinny because the the trend has moved towards like excessive almost surgically implanted instagram asses and it it's just so strange to see like the the reference point shifts every year or between between countries and places but yeah sorry for that uh complete tangent there <laughs> <laughs> well it's the same of like look at the mr olympia lineup year yeah. on year like i realize that's that's probably a function of which compounds are, are most available and, and how much people are taking but but also like the sort of arnold schwarzenegger franco colombo versus now like they wouldn't even they wouldn't even be featured in the competition at that size it's crazy it's true like modern bodybuilders are just big. slabs aren't they yeah yeah <laughs> big big people yeah. yeah so your your training sort of evolved to more of a a lifestyle approach rather than like cut bulk gain muscle at all costs strategy another thing i i uh i found that i have spondylolisthesis i can't say the word but uh i have a little my back my l5 is kind of pushed in a bit and i was off for like two and a half years i couldn't even sleep lying down for and it was really hell and i thought i'm done i'm not going to be able to serve or so that was a, a, an eye opener. So with leg training, I do a lot of single leg work, single leg deadlifts, um, single leg squats, hockey squat type type work. And that is really challenging. And I mix that into sort of, I, I basically train three times a week now. And it's not, it, I kind of got sick of the bodybuilding to the strength training kind of one exercise at a time or, or an A and B superset thing. And I'm kind of making a, uh, a set of four. It, I, I love it. It's actually, it's some, some sort of bench press, some sort of a, a row or a chin up uh, and single leg, single leg. It's like a 40, se 40 seconds on, 45 seconds rest. It's hard at the end. You go three, or, three to five rounds and I mean, just, and I mean, pumped up. It, it's great. And my strength is increasing. So it just works right now. Sounds brutal. S single leg stuff <laughs> get, gets my heart going like nothing else. Yeah. Horrible. It's the it's the thing that everybody should be doing more of, and no one really does. It's that's great. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Make, makes me feel unwell, but <laughs> but I know that I've got to do it. There's um, a, a a recommendation if you've not tried it that I was given in a program recently is Bulgarian split squats, so rear foot elevated split squats, loaded with my uh, Myo reps protocol. Oh. Have, you ever, have you ever tried Myo reps? before body no, no. so it's like a i suppose rest pause so you do an activation set of 10 15 
10 breaths and then just sets of five until the RPE is too high. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that is ser- that, that is really seriously challenging. Yeah, that is um, nasty. But yeah. Beck, who was on a couple of weeks ago, um, does them rather than holding two dumbbells. She says, if you just hold one on the contralateral side, the opposite side to the foot that's forward, you can hold on to something and balance and it rather than making it easier actually makes it more um well more sore because you're you can fully focus on the muscle right. being trained and i've started doing that and yeah it's far worse just holding one <laughs> dumbbell and focusing on the on the movement yeah so you're not you're not sort of spreading it under the the le- the, the rear leg for example and the well, hip flexor it, i think it's so you're not because I, I find if i'm doing with two dumbbells i'm more more trying to balance rather than actually right um yeah i see focusing on the movement so i suppose you've, you've really got to be yanking on the support haven't you to, to give yourself any kind of assistance yeah. <laughs> like it would be it would be quite obvious you know, to do doing a single arm pull-up trying to avoid the... i'm getting really really big biceps from the uh, <laughs> squats yeah so Bodhi, how can people find out more about you and, and how can they work with you so like we're at north star uh, northstarfitness.org is a website um, on Facebook as well. That's basically it. Yeah, just um, we're here in Tokyo, Japan, of course, online as well. We, we offer online coaching. Um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. We will put the link in the show notes below. Bodhi, this was an absolute pleasure. Really thank enjoyed this one. Yeah. Very good to chat. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Nice to see you guys. Thank you. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.